0: Hey guys, today's episode is a fireside chat between Gary and Aubrey Marcus. It took place at the On It Design Your Life event on May 2nd in Austin, Texas. We really hope that you get the
1: value out of this episode. Enjoy. The man himself, Gary V, founder-CEO of Vayner Media, VaynerX. Come on out here, Gary. Let's do this. What's up, my man?
2: Life is good.
1: Life is good. That's one of the first things you always remind me of when I see you, man. Like everybody thinks like, oh yeah, Gary's gonna be so intense and we're gonna get right into it. No, man, the first time, every time I see you, it's like, how are you doing? Life is good, I'm happy. That's what I fucking love about seeing you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, because that's like, that's that immediate, immediate frame of reference of like, oh, that perspective is right. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, I you know, obviously, I was catching parts of what you were saying. and I think the reality is I, I very much do believe that you find what you're looking for. You know, I grew up in a household where I had probably extremities on both sides. You know, I had certain family members who were just disproportionately negative. And like regardless of like when something good happened, it was hedged re- immediately with like, and that's a fucking conspiracy. You know, like, like just like, enormous, like, negativity. And then my mom, thank God, because it was the primary person I spent my first, you know, 14 years with every day, was so disproportionately positive. And so, you know, I lived a life where it's very obvious to me that you can have a very different perspective on the same situation because I had two very big, different reactions growing up to a lot of things. And, um... I just wish that, you know, it's very easy to find negativity if you're looking for it right now, but it's equally easy to find positivity. Nobody's talking about that.
1: That's that's very true. You know, you you'll find what you're looking for, right? Like every in every in every case. You can look at the same situation and that's what like a real that's to me why how I identify my real friends is we can look at the same situation and see something similar. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. Yep.
3: Yeah, that's cool.
1: Yep. You because know, that shared perspective of like oh we can see the positive in this and how you see something changes how how you, it, you react to it it changes like the internal composition of what you see if you're attached to it if you're invested if you're swallowed up in the drama that you're gonna have all of those responses materialist reductionist all the cortisol all the stress all the neurotransmitters firing like ah but if you just look at it like oh isn't that interesting
2: and and I and I have a lot of empathy I, I can imagine like a lot of people sitting in the audience like uh, for me it's practical positivity, right? So for me, where this conversation goes is like, for a lot of people they could be sitting here and being like, well, it's easy for you to say. Like, people go immediately to your current, right? And, you know, I just don't see it that way. I just, I really genuinely believe that it's a complete game of who you spend time with and what's pumping into your ears. And so, that has led me down a path of really trying to have conversations with people around limiting time with negativity. And sometimes that's hard because a lot of times that might be your mother and father or your best friend for the last 30 years. But I, I, I've been fascinated by people changing just by changing who they spend time with and what they listen to.
1: Yeah, one of the things we were sharing today on the podcast is you mentioned you know, those people who might be those more negative forces. And you had some really pragmatic advice on how to handle, how to, how do you handle those situations, you know?
2: Yeah, I think people get crazy. They hear something like this, like, yeah, fuck it. I'm never talking to my mom again. And I think, <laughs> you know, that's not necessarily what I'm saying. I think there's, there is a process. Um, but but I do think, we were talking about friends, and and I do think a lot of times, you know, you sometimes wake up, especially in your kind of call it 17 to 34 year old world, and you kind of look around you're like, fuck, you know, I'm looking for something a little bit different here, and this group of friends is about this, and that's fine, and how do you like make that transition, I think some people get hyped off a one minute Gary Vee video and like try to like leave their friends behind, I'm trying to context that with, I'm like, you don't need to go that serious. A, I think you should have that conversation with your friends about, hey, I'm like looking to mix this up, and like you know, hanging out all day and smoking weed and, and, and playing Fortnite's rad and all, but like 24-7, you know, I want to mix it up. And so I think that... <laughs> so I, I think that first you have that conversation with your homies and say, look, I'm looking to do this, you know... A third of them are gonna be like, "Cool, me too," and they were just waiting for somebody to say something, and and then another third you might be able to commence over time through the process, and then another third might just been great friends for a certain part of your time, and it's okay to talk to them, you know, once every month or once every week instead of 15 times a day, and so I, I think people need to be thoughtful about that process, but I do think it is, you know, that that saying is so real, like you gotta really look around who you're spending time with. It is unbelievable to me watching employees in my company spend time in certain divisions and then get transferred. I mean, if they get transferred to my team, it's a complete brain twist of work ethic and mindset and things of that nature. But even different teams with positive leaders, like, you can just see it. And um, I think you can talk all day long about like, hey, be happier or see it better, and then people walk out of a theater and you're like, how? And I think the biggest thing that is tangible to me is, the fuck are you watching? Like, like what are you like? Of course you're scared shitless if you're watching propaganda that you're gonna get killed every day, the news, you know. And so like, mm-hmm. like so, you know. On the flip side though, I'm not talking about the secret, you know. I'm not talking about sitting on your fucking couch and being like, I'm gonna be a millionaire and boop, you know. <laughs> you gotta do shit out here. Um, I'm just really fucking curious to what people are consuming, how they're thinking, and who are they spending time with. And there is no coincidence that certain coaches in sports have tremendous programs. It's because it is a atmosphere within four walls and a players change, but the results do not as much. Obviously, there's variables. And I do think that's mindset and structure and, and the general theme. And I'll be honest with you, negativity is way too loud and positivity is way too quiet. And so if you're sitting in this theater tonight and you're also happy, fucking share that point of view because the ones that are unhappy are sharing at scale. And and I apologize and if you and I appreciate that and if you ask me, you know, and I'm not sure if this is, you know, rewriting history, but intuitively, I do believe the reason that I've gotten dramatically louder in the last three years, four years, five years, is I feel a sense of responsibility as somebody who genuinely is happy to share that, and, and I, I do think it's a responsibility, you know? And so, I'm on that kick, and I'd like you to join me.
1: Yep, and one of the things that people might mistake when they, when they perceive you, they might think like, well, you're always working, you're always doing something. But the beauty of what you're doing is you love what you're fucking doing. Like, you really love it. Like if you're, It's like you're playing poker, and if you're only playing poker for the pot, you're probably going to have a shitty life. But if you love playing poker, if you love that feeling when you turn those whole cards over, and you love that feeling when everything's there, then you're probably going to enjoy yourself.
2: Especially if we, when you turn those cards over, you're fired up when it's 3-7 offsuit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, to me... You have to love your game even when it's not going your way, <laughs> and I think the thing that I've come and realized about myself is, wow, when it was when I was seven and it snowed and everybody went to go make a snowman, like I genuinely wanted to go get a shovel, ring people's doorbells, and make six bucks shoveling something like that was fun for me, and it wasn't about the money, you know it just really genuinely wasn't I mean, and so yeah, I mean, um, you know, my hobbies are side businesses like the k Swiss collab, Empathy Wines, like this sports card kick that I'm about to get on. These are <laughs> these are my these are these are my skiing, these are my golfing, these are my Burning Man. Like I don't, you know. <laughs> yeah. So like, so that's and 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 so when I you know I made a video the other day and I was like you know kind of was asking the audience, like, why do you want to go to Coachella? And people got mad at me, they're like, Gary, what the fuck, like, relax. Like, <laughs> and, and I wasn't judging Coachella or you going, I was just asking a simple question, why are you going? Are you going hard and you need four days to completely let loose, that makes a ton of sense. But if you're going to keeping up with the Joneses, if you're maxing your credit card out just to go to parties, if your self-esteem is wrapped up into the access passes that you have, that's going to not work out. And we need to start asking ourselves, you know, how much of our behavior is predicated on other people's judgment? And I believe it's a lot.
1: It's a, yeah, I mean, that's, and that's the, that's that thing, right? Like. If you're chasing, if you're chasing what other people are thinking about you and you will perpetually be chasing that fucking thing forever. If you're chasing how many likes you get, if you're chasing all of this and you're not actually doing what you want, then you'll just go from one distraction to one thrill to one, one of these little things. But the baseline of your life, like the notes that make up the key part of your life is going to be unhappiness.
2: And what's crazy is... And, and we really have to quantify this. This is a ridiculously special time in society because the internet is genuinely one of the great inventions of the human race. This is like printing press. This is like an airplane. Like this is crazy. We haven't quantified it because it's hard to be contextual when it's your life. But this is a remarkable time where it is actually practical to start careers or or create dollars that subsidize your overhead of living a life around things you genuinely like. That is super unheard of for our grandparents' generation. And and so, for me, even when I look back at some of the themes, and I've been getting hit up a lot about the first book I wrote, Crush It!, which, you know, I wrote in 08, came out in 09, like... I wasn't thinking about writing a book. That you know, I was doing wine and putting out, you know, wristbands and t-shirts. And that was my life. But like it hit me like, holy fuck, this is crazy that you can start like if you love Game of Thrones right now, your ability to start a an like an unbelievable media empire around analyzing Game of Thrones and making fifty-nine thousand dollars a year off of ad revenue and selling hoodies and things of that nature, it's real. And to me, that's insane. The problem is, everybody's trying to like, start a company that's gonna do a trillion dollars. And, and we, we just need a, we need a massive, massive reset on what success is. And I think happiness, genuine happiness, not acting happy on Instagram needs to be a starting point.
1: Yeah. And to do that, you gotta you gotta unlearn a lot of programming. You know, you gotta unlearn a lot of things because there's when you make that real quick ad- up, real quick, maybe.
2: You're right. That is the norm. What I've had to do, and this is why I jumped in, and I apologize. Something I realized is, I've had to maintain what I've learned. Mm-hmm. Like I, like people ask me all the time, like, what do you read? What do you watch? I'm like nothing. <laughs> like I spend so much. I mean, I, I always wondered why I was such an atrocious student, right? Like, I was an atrocious student, not, like, bad. Like, the way I got into college was I got a postcard in the mail and I filled it out. You know, like, like and and something make, something very early in my life triggered, I, I don't remember how I thought about it, but there was something that I knew that, like, this was fake and this was real and and basically for the last 15 years, all I've done is tried to, preserve, you know, what yeah. I had. You know, instead of unlearning, i have trying to maintain. I think the great fear I have is to become a caricature of myself, right? When you ha- start having this, so like, the accolades or getting the negative comments all kind of don't affect, I just stay in that zone. And so, for a lot of people, you know, people are confused. People think success, you know, changes people. I think it exposes people. I think money and fame exposes you. You know, now everybody knows you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, um, I think, yes, people have to unlearn, but I do think there's a solid segment in the audience and watching that needs to maintain. And I think a lot of people, I've watched a lot of people get some micro internet success and get real confused real fast like they're somebody. A lot of people getting high on their own supply, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think they're making a mistake.
1: Well, if you swallow that conditioning, swallow that validation and take it in, say, you've you've had the discretion to not engage, not gorge upon those same feasts that most of us had. Well, if you have feasted on it, the unlearning is like the vomiting back of all of those things that you've swallowed, all of those things that you've greedily taken in. Ooh, I got a little celebrity for this. Ooh, I got a little bit for this. And so, yeah, expel that and then stay true to that fucking note, that song, that is your song. And that's what really you're talking about is just resisting the urge to gorge upon these feasts that are now provided, which is your own personal sovereignty. It's your own personal responsibility to do that.
2: I think, I think it's a hard truth that people need to realize that a lot of people are just still, actually still stuck in high school, you know? Like I think, I think people would like to think at 38 and 54 and 63 <laughs> that they don't navigate their life based on what popular kids say about them, but unfortunately, that's not true, and you're conditioned to that so early. Um, peer pressure is fucking people up. Judgment, judgment is rampant. Judgment's always been rampant, but now it's being typed out, and you can see it in perpetuity and at scale, and so people need to get quiet. People need to start figuring out how to get quiet and creating a self-worth system within their own mind that that isn't required validation from the outside. And I think once you can find something that you enjoy to do, that's a really good place to go for that on the professional kick. And once you can find people you enjoy, that's a really good place to go on the personal side. So look, I think I think the thoughtfulness of the tone of this talk maybe it's because of kind of the way you guys started the show, but it's, it's very much, I think I use a very um, natural showmanship, high energy, Jersey personality, but if you look carefully underneath the cursing and, and the excitement and the energy, I'm, I'm very into these very basic truths that I think are quite meaningful, and yeah, man, I'm very, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for my happiness and I'm grateful that I see how happiness is manifested in others and I'm desperate to over communicate this conversation.
1: Yes, sir. Amor fati, love what is, love your fate, love where you're at. You know, I mean, I think that's the, that's the lesson that we can all take. But when people hear
2: that, they confuse that with a lack of ambition, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm outrageously content. I've said it a lot of times. I haven't said it recently, so I appreciate you bringing this up. I used to say a lot in interviews that like, if some weird genie from the future just sat here and was like, this is it, this is it. Right this moment is the height of every success for you and now it starts to taper off and decline. I'm grateful for the process. You know? And, but that, so I'm content, but I'm hungry as fuck. (laughs) You know, like there's so much I wanna do, I want 7.7 7.7 billion people to interact with me. I want to win seven Super Bowls as owner of the New York Jets. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things I want to do. You know, yep. but uh, but I'm also equally content.
1: Yeah, that paradox is false, and that's what the theme of the speech was. You're good where you are, but you can do more. You can yeah. do better. You can I think keep. That's right. You can keep reaching, right? I and it's that. it's only in holding both that that happiness, which is always yeah. ours, which is our birthright will actually be recognized.
2: And the other thing, the other thing I referenced this earlier today as well, you know, it's also okay to change your script. Like secretly and like darkly, I like kind of weirdly hope in 11 years, I wake up one morning, I'm like, I don't wanna buy the Jets anymore. And just, that's that. Like, (laughs) and just throw that curveball to the market. And I was gonna be like, fuck Gary, you got me so invested in this, fuck you. (laughs) I'm like, sorry, going to, capture rare frogs in fucking Sri Lanka. <laughs> like, you know, this incredible ability for so many people here to overjudge themselves is, is something that I'm trying to understand better. I don't fully understand why I don't do that. It doesn't mean that I hold myself not accountable. It doesn't mean you become delusional. It means that you don't overbeat yourself up because everybody else sucks too.
1: We're all tomorrow's idiot. That's it. All right. We got some Twitter questions here. I'm going to get to these. At Danny Boy 981 says, if you were to die today, what would be your biggest regret or thing you wish you did differently?
2: Nothing really comes to mind. Okay. You know, um, something has to come to mind. I don't know, like maybe I wish that I took one week off in my 20s, you know, (laughs) like, like. you know, I probably could have had a little more leisure in my 20s. I literally worked every minute. Um, not much, man. Like, I just don't. Dwelling comes so unnatural to me. And this question, for some reason, hits me as a dwelling thought process. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I fucking. I'm fucking putting it out there every day, you know? Like, I'm really feeling good about putting my head on the pillow every night. I'm going as hard as I can. Not the way that I think I've positioned it to the world, which is like, yes, I have work ethic, but like my intent is fucking in a great fucking place. And I feel good about that. And so I, the only thing that even runs through my mind is more time with people I love. Right. Yeah, That's it
1: for me. Yeah. Hell yeah. For, for me, it's really about like recognizing how good it's always been. Right. Like, cause I am prone to dwelling. I am prone to analysis and thinking about and going to the what ifs and Like pretending that I have a hot tub time machine that I could go back and change something and fix something But that dwelling is just taking me and robbing me of the opportunity to enjoy it now 100%
2: it's deep guys You're not going back Like I'm sorry. you didn't pick that (laughs) job or go to that college or date that person like it's fucking over (laughs) Like I but I'm but I'm serious about this like right like like what like what? positive thing comes from (laughs) a sentence that starts with i wish like i don't see it and like the only people that are coddling you are other fucking losers <laughs> or somebody that loves you a lot <laughs> but like it's not productive yep. like and you're a- like and you're able to do something about it my big thing is that we're able to do something about it you know like I make a lot of references to like how rare it is to be a human and then I make jokes about like how lucky I am that I'm not a ladybug you know like and I mean that but I mean that we're like the alpha species like if you're like a fruit fly there's a lot you can do but there's these things called humans out there that are like you know like uh. you know it's so and so the sheer lack of gratitude guys If you're a human being in America in this fancy theater tonight and you afforded the ticket for this place, you're lucky as fuck. Young women in like third, fourth world countries in cages being trafficked. Like, do you do we understand like where is the complete and utter? I literally I bring this analogy up a lot. It happened again today. I watched people yell at baristas because they gave them the wrong fucking milk of the fucking moment. They're like, I said oatmeal milk, dick. <laughs> they're buying seven dollar coffees and they're mad about the milk. We've just lost complete and utter perspective of how we, like, we just lack gratitude. You're fucking alive and you're capable. Go do, like, nobody cares about your fucking problems. They have their own problems, asshole. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, it's such a bad use of energy, yeah. right? Like, if you don't like it, fix it. Like the lack of accountability in the system right now, like social media, delete Instagram off your phone. If it's ruining your life. It's free. (laughs) I'm confused out here, I really am. And then my favorite thing, watching 50 to 70 year olds shit on millennials when they're the ones who fucking parented them. This generation blows. Maybe if you didn't give them an eighth place trophy, they wouldn't be entitled. <laughs> Susan.
1: At Multitude 27. If you, if you two had to reverse roles, what would be the first moves as CEO of the other's business?
2: Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um... God, I don't know enough about your business, but what I know for sure is what I love about looking at a new business is trying to understand if there's somewhere where I can take the IP or the energy and deploy it in another category, right? Like, can this brand be an incredible, you know, conference business? Could it expand into obviously with the food products, the proteins, and And the weights, like there's natural places where it sits, but can it be turned into a media company, right? Could could on it be the gimlet of the of the world that you play in with 44 shows, which creates a media empire that gives more leverage to sell product. Mm -hmm. Um
1: Yeah. Yeah. All good ideas. I think, you know, what you're doing so great is you're is you're telling stories, right? So if I was to switch roles, I'm just gonna Tell stories from my own unique lens and my own perspective. You know, that's really what media is about. Media is about telling a story. And the more veracity, the more truth that you put out there, the more raw and vulnerable and real and honest you are, like the more people are gonna pay attention. People's bullshit detectors are on point these days. Like we can tell. We can tell when you're really don't have and you're really faking it. Like,
2: and, and more importantly, even if we can't tell, the truth will come out in the end. Like, like, there's just no hiding.
1: We were talking about that today. That was a really interesting thread, talking about privacy and everybody's concerns about privacy and how actually the lack of privacy might yield a positive result.
2: I-, I believe that. I believe that we're in the early stages of a very interesting century where all of us realize that it's hard to hide, which then changes our behavior in the macro, and that a lot of the shortcomings are predicated of the shadows of our society. And I think the relationships with each other around so many of the issues that we spend all our time judging each other for evolve in quite a positive way, though a very painful way, because we just have to realize that truth. I think it's been f- interesting for me to watch people become aware of so many of the shortcomings in society, and I'm like, where have you been? It's that they've chosen to consume only certain information from one place, and what, the internet has done, is exposed a lot of different conversations, and I think it's quite healthy. There's no way to fix something until you're exposed to it, and so, um, yeah, I really think the lack of privacy is one of the great things that could happen um, to humans, and that's with the understanding, because where people go with lack of privacy is they think, like, the government now owns it, right? Like, they have control, or the companies now have control. Um, I just don't see it the same way as people on this issue. I think, I think there's, a lot more control, especially in countries like the United States, that you have. And I, I think it's offense versus defense. You've got to look at all the benefits versus the negatives.
1: And it's, it's you know, as we've all been saying, it's, you'll find what you're looking for, right? Like, if you, if you really want to get stressed out about the fact that you mentioned some water filter and then you're getting ads for a water filter, well, that's just fucking convenient, actually. Yeah. Like, great. I, I believe, now have guys, water filters I've coming. I've never to
2: me. been happier with ads. <laughs> I want to see ads that are relevant to what I talk about and what I click on. Like why do I want to see ads of shit that I don't want? <laughs> like, like people take things into philosophy. Like watching all the people post on Instagram like fuck Facebook, I don't use it anymore, makes me laugh. <laughs> like do you? Like, what are you doing? Don't you understand? Like, It's just like people take these stances and just hypocrisy is at scale and, and lack of self-awareness is at scale and I think these conversations matter and also like, people don't even know what the fuck they're talking about. Right, they're like, Gary, Facebook. I'm like, yeah, they're like Cambridge Analytica. I'm like, cool, what's Cambridge Analytica? They're like, well, I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> like the Russians? You know, like, like people, every, this is why I've really stopped, a lot of people, the biggest compliment I get in the comments of my content is, Gary Vee, you say the same shit. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I sure do. There's like 18 things I know, there's like seven things I believe, and I'm super fucking proud of it. <laughs> Instead of like pontificating about shit I don't know. Like one of the things as I've become more educated in different things through my life, I started realizing how little I knew about other things. And it's made me progressively more quiet about those things. Because watching people talk about marketing or wine or the New York Jets makes me laugh because they don't know what the fuck they're talking about.
1: All right, we got some live questions, so let's uh, let's hear what you guys have to say.
3: My name's Joseph uh, Aubrey. Respect, Gary, love you, man. Thank um, you, bro. Uh, um, yesterday, one of the guys that uh, helped me build my company um, passed away, and um, he came in to he, he was doing his annual review yesterday. We had it all mapped out. He was getting a raise, you know, nice bump. Uh, he was excited, but. Um, he never actually made it. Um, so. Um, so sorry. No, it's all right. The question is, um, you speak that live life to your fullest, don't complain, you have no reason to complain. Um, one life, one ticket, you know. Uh, but you also say that you don't, you don't give a fuck what anyone else thinks, says, um, but you're most scared that if somebody closest to you passes. Uh, scared shitless. That, that's your ultimate right it is um, this isn't necessarily like that:
2: but it's the closest
3: you but felt. it's the closest that I yeah. think I've ever came and across and my question is like you're right, we will die we will um, but what do you what will you do when I'm it not happens? Sh- you know
2: you're going to appreciate this answer I'm not sure right I think it's crazy that you just asked that question off of what I just said because because I really like Talking about shit that I know, and I you know I just haven't had one of those eight to nine people I've had some very good friends, not too, too long ago past, and things of that nature, but not not the people I talk about in the content that I'm putting out, not literally the eight to ten closest family members I have, and the two best friends i you know I haven't had that yet, and I don't want to sit up here and tell you my, my intuition is that, that I'm gonna need to like adjust because it's so much of the operating system of my life that I'm probably gonna take it hard or because I condition myself on a daily basis to prepare for it, maybe I'll be more prepared. I'm not sure. Um, Here's what I would say, there is no right answer. Everybody here needs to mourn in their own way and if people need to go off the grid for a month, then that's what they do and if they need to just go back to work the next day, I don't like to give advice or judge on things like this because I think, first of all, everything is personal but this one specifically just feels like uncomfortable territory. You do what you feel is right for you, and, but, but what I would do is, and this is what I think all of us would want for the people we care about, is if something like that happened to me, I would want that the people closest to me would use that as a reminder of what's going on out here and to do whatever makes them happiest and go at it the hardest they can because there is a time clock.
1: I, th- I think a lot of what a lot of what you do to prepare for that moment is living in the richness of being with that person and contributing and giving and sharing so that you have no regrets and that you know that you've spent as much of that quality time and energy and connection and presence as possible with every person because it may be the last time you see that but person but you'll
2: never achieve that right you just we it's just not how we're hardwired right like it's yeah. just like it's just not we until are,
1: you get a reminder that's right until you get a reminder like this like when my grandma passed but, my grandma who's tattooed on my arm right like she passed away. And she was my Sorry. grandma. She was like, I knew that there was going to be a time, but I didn't expect it then. I didn't expect it so soon. So the only thing that I was thinking about was like, I was just fucking frat partying every weekend when I could have gone out there and spent a little time talking with my grandma, spent, just carved out a little bit more time, not radically changed my life, but just like a little bit more time. You know, like I may only see, my mom's here in the audience. I may only see her Really, if you actually count how many times in the frequency we see I may only see her 50 times more in my life. So guess what? Every fucking time I go out there to the ranch and I see her, I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be there fully. I'm not gonna bring my work. I'm not gonna bring the other shit. I'm gonna be there with my mom so I can fucking live that. Cause when she goes, I'll know that we lived the last part of our life as fucking rich as we could.
2: The the thing is though, it's kind of like the police flashing light rule, right? Like you're driving, fucking rolling, listening to you, whatever. And then the lights go on and you fucking get scared and you think it's you, and then it passes you and you're <laughs> fucking pumped. <laughs> and for the next three minutes, you got both fucking hands on the wheel. <laughs> you're 55 in it. And then 31 minutes go by and you're back to completely normal. <laughs> and, and that's just the way it is. And that is where we all have to live in complete humility. Look, I am desperately ambitious in leaving an obnoxious legacy. I equally know that I mean jack shit. And in that in that there's something quite important. And I think, you know, you just gotta like go through this process. I'm sorry that it happened, bro. Appreciate
3: it. Thanks for being here. Thanks, brother.
4: Hey
2: guys. How are you? My name Hi. is
5: Katie. I'm good. Um, I do comfort zone challenges here in Austin to help people kind of do all the things you're talking about, like finding themselves and getting unstuck. And um, Gary, I want to say thank you so much for directly addressing parents because I know a lot of people laugh when you talk about statistics about people still living in high school, but. In my personal experience and with the therapist I talk to, like, 90% of people are actually still trapped in their childhoods, and it's not funny because they're shaming their children.
2: You're preaching. Yeah. Like, I am am super about this subject, and, like, I'm making a lot of—listen, I read my DMs and emails. I'm making a lot of parents uncomfortable out there, and that's probably the thing I'm most proud of in the world.
5: Amen. (laughs) Um... And so I would love, so May is actually Mental Health Awareness Month. And so my question is, what do you see as, like, the responsibility of leaders and especially men like yourselves as CEOs of companies? What, like, what is the boundary of where, like, you create an environment to take care of and to foster growth in your employees and then, like, what they're responsible for, for growing on their own. Um, and then I'm also interested in, in, what impacts have you seen with implementing Claude Silver as the chief heart officer in your company?
2: So I'll take that. So uh, the second part, like everything, when you when you create something like a chief heart officer, you're telling your 900 employees, like we really, like this is not HR, right? Like I, I use communication and and strategies and packaging and merchandising to get across points, and so uh, I'm unbelievably proud of like the culture inside of Vayner, and I think something like that maneuver has really helped. And like, Claude spends her time on the offense, not the defense, and HR is usually defense, right? Like, we're literally looking at Slack channels where people make a snarky comment about something, and investigating it if that's actually like a, a somebody who's like actually frustrated about something and using that thing. So like, we're really in it. Um, the impact is enormous, as far as the, and I'll let Aubrey answer for himself, as far as the responsibility, I think that's a very scary line that I think a lot about, which is I'm passionate about accountability. I think the unbelievable vulnerability in our ecosystem right now is people not being accountable for themselves, are looking for CEOs, companies, other people, personalities, government, like just looking for somebody else to address something. That doesn't mean that there isn't a responsibility, but it's a slippery slope, and I think everybody calibrates it differently. I take a lot of responsibility. As a matter of fact, the biggest issue I have as an operating uh, kind of executive is I think I create entitlement even though I hate it. I really do, because I don't like negativity, because I do kind of always look for the bright side, because I do see an employee and be like, okay, maybe, oh, They're in accounting, but they suck at math. That was a bad idea, but maybe they can do this. You know, like I'm always on the offense of that, and it does create a little bit of entitlement. And Vayner had a little bit of a rough patch three years ago where I had to really let go of a significant 30, 40 people because I needed to reset, and it was painful. And everyone was like, Fuck you, Gary. You said it was family. And I was like, Look, like my ultimate responsibility is to keep this thing alive, otherwise, you're all gone. Like, and so I think that there is a sense of responsibility, but I do think the thing that we need to beat very loud, is that people have to be responsible for themselves as well, because there's an enormous amount of confusion around that issue.
1: Thank you. One of the way I look at it is I try to run a positive balance in the bank of reciprocity, right? So, And when you do that, you just give first. You just give every opportunity first. And then you see, and you observe, and you see what comes back. And so, like, for us, we're always giving every opportunity. Okay, meal plan? Cool, we got that. Okay, shake credits? Cool, you got that. Okay, you can get all our stuff? Okay, you can go to my ranch, my personal ranch in Sedona and work with some of the healers know out there? Cool, you can do that if you want. Like, we got all of these different things that we're offering, and then the people who are taking that and taking it with gratitude and then receiving that and feeling that and feeling that gratitude, they're going to push back so much more in their own effort and their own ethos and that own on it that they carry in their heart and so that's the way. And then if it doesn't come back, then you have to take a look and say, either talk to him and be like, hey, it's not coming back. You know, what's going on? How are you feeling? And then other, otherwise, then the spirit and the ethos and the health of the organism, as Gary was saying, has to come first and you have to have that discretion.
2: This is a keeping up with the Joneses issue. Parents yes. use their kids as product to look good to other parents. Yeah. Yeah. This is a keeping up with the Joneses issue. This is why I'm on it. People like, like you should go to this college, like, because they want to look good. Like, this is a very important conversation. It's very important.
5: So, what do you think that we can do to like encourage parents to actually do their own work?
2: Keep putting pressure on this conversation, and okay. and humans can only do their part. I'm not crippled by anybody picking up what I'm putting down. I just keep putting it down.
1: Right. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
3: Hey, Aubrey, first off, thanks for putting this on. Um, Gary, since 2017, you and Evan, either you or Evan, have been a part of my uh, daily process for getting things going. So thanks for all that you do. Um, I saw um, basically from uh, your videos, possibly the message of staying away from political issues and social issues, not getting too caught up in that, um, just so that you avoid the negativity but at the same time, I'm not really a type of person that can just ignore social injustice. I understand. So um, I was wondering what advice you had to kind of,
2: far as balancing that. Put it out. Like, there is no balance. Like, like, if you feel compelled to talk about something, then you should, and I think I address a lot of political and social issues in a way that is trying to fix the well instead of the, what I think everyone's doing, which is trying to fix the sink. Right? And so like, like and, and back to everything else, which is everybody should do their own framework. So I don't think you should shy away from engaging on things that you're passionate about just because of the negative recourse. Um, uh, for me, it's, it's not that I'm putting it out there because I don't want to deal with the negativity. I get negativity on every single post of content that I put out in the world. It's that I think people are on tilt and are doing nothing productive. There's a lot of my friends who are super socially liberal like I am putting out stuff on Twitter and they're Twitter superstars, but they're not doing anything in real fucking life. So I think we all have to do it our own thing, but if you think you can make an impact by putting out content to the conversation, then you should do that. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, love you, gotta, you back.
1: And just, and just make sure that it's if it's your fight, If it's your fight and your lens and your unique perspective and that thing that you can see that other people can't see, like, the cause needs that voice. It needs that perspective. It needs you, 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 you you to share that.
2: But what's happening right now is people are trying to change other people's minds. Like, (laughs) that's what's happening right now. And, like, that I don't think necessarily if you look at the data and you give a shit about this the way I do, I don't think that's happening through 17 Twitter conversations back and forth with individuals fighting about it. It's we're, we're, in, we're in second grade mode right now as a country, which is fine. I actually genuinely believe it's the beginning of a very good thing. Um, but that's one man's point of view. You need to do what's right for you. The negativity is a minor collateral part of it. Thank you. You're welcome.
1: Uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys and pick your brain. So my question is, how do you prevent loyalty um, from diminishing your human value? So quick 30 second backstory is, I wanted to launch an online business and I began to work with a small business um, a little over a year ago. He quickly became a friend, a mentor, and I'm beyond grateful for what I've learned. But at the same time, I knew I was gonna have to pay my dues. So for the last year, I've done everything from clean the toilets to take out the trash to run the social media account to write all the emails to create our two biggest products Um, so now at this point when do I sit down and not come across as being disrespectful but ask for more than just an hourly rate
2: it's it's a great question I think um, tomorrow And, and I'll tell you why. Even just by the respectful demeanor and the way you ask the question, you're in a great spot. You're not overly emotional. You, you, you don't have this massive resentment built up yet. It sounds like you're gonna be able to articulate it in a very fair way, and then you're gonna learn what's happening on the other side. And if you don't get the answer that you want, then you're very capable of moving on and doing something else
1: yeah, this is something you're gonna learn about your mentor. Like, is he worthy to be your mentor? And a real mentor would see that value and see your heart and see the work that you've done. And it's gonna be an easy conversation. This thing that you might've been putting off might just be him not being aware of. He might go, oh yeah, you're right, totally.
2: And he may not. Or super hard. Like the amount of people, no, no, I mean it. No, I mean it. No, I mean, the amount of people that have come up to me and they're like, Gary, I've done this and this and this and this for you and I deserve this. And I'm like, cool. And I've done this and this and this and this. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to decrease your salary. Makes me feel good. It's going to be good or bad.
1: But at least you'll know. At least you'll know.
2: By the way, that's the right part. The reason it's tomorrow, at least you'll know. Because whether it's good or bad, both are better than what you're doing right now. Woo!
0: Gary, yes, Thanks sir. so much, an Egyptian, Middle Eastern founder over here for a tech startup. Love it. Um, so hope one day you can make it to Egypt. Um, Our I'm, I'm, I'm will actually, be I'm actually
2: putting the final touches on a trip right now.
0: Oh. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Um, I would like to say this evening has been. Uh, I'll go all the way. Far to say it has been a mind blow, but I'm Arabic. My name is Ahmed and <laughs> the, the word blow... <laughs> uh, go ahead. The word blow would not go very well I got well it, I got it. I did not write that joke. Understood. <laughs> um, so as I said, a startup founder of a tech company in the fitness industry, by the way, Aubrey, mm-hmm. I would like to get your feedback on that. Um, we build a mobile app that serves both market and uh, service providers and consumers. Two-way marketplace. Uh, we, yes, uh, uh, two-sided market. Um, we are focused on the uh, low to moderately active individuals. So, um, But the targeted market, the low to moderately active, requires patience and long drive. Uh, you have to create a relationship and so forth. Um, So, the question is how to stay on course with investors as an early stage startup when everybody knows that you've got something legit in your hand, but investors are pressuring you to actually, we didn't take any funding yet, everything has been self-funded, but they are pressuring you to start monetizing.
2: Take money from people that won't. There's a, big confusion, there's a big confusion in the market right now, which is the only way to get money is from venture capital. Find a high net worth individual that so disproportionately believes in you and she or he has no interest in the capital returning tomorrow. Guys, venture capitalists raise money from other people and then try to make the 25 investments that they've deployed against go as fast and as hard as possible to return the fund to give them leverage to raise the next fund. That's in the best interest of the VC, not in your business. Raise money from people who don't want returns tomorrow.
0: So that's a challenge because for somebody who just landed over here two years ago, still learning, things moving from between cities. But you're and trying being to build, told, you're trying to build. You're trying to.
2: So I get it, but you're trying to build a business on your terms and create this incredible success story. That should be a challenge.
0: Absolutely. I'm, I'm not disagreeing. No, no, yeah. I know you're not. I'm, yeah. What I'm
2: saying is, yep. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah, it should be a challenge. But let me promise you this. If you go and raise money from a venture capitalist, you will be in CAC and LTV and Excel sheet yeah. and bullshit metrics world for the rest of your fucking life.
1: Uh, I am much more to you, say. You,
2: you know what I mean? Like People, people cry about VCs but it's the place where there's more money in the system so you can get it easier, but you're thoughtful enough to know that that might not be in the best interest of what you're building, so I'm telling you to go with what you know is right versus what you hear is right.
3: Hmm. hmm.
2: <laughs> I believe that.
0: Alright, uh, one selfish uh, request and one selfless request. I will start with the selfless. Um, 10 months ago, I did a very stupid uh, uh, business move uh, that caused me to go all the way to like lower than the ground. But anyway, um, they started uh, making me feel like I need a COO. Okay. Uh, put the word out to the world, 148 COO applied for the job. One of them traveled, he's a Fortune 500 COO. I traveled all the way from Chicago to uh, Austin Paid for his own uh, flight trip, stayed in a hotel, and then have been traveling back and forth from Chicago to wow. Austin because he doesn't want to cost me sleeping on an air mattress. Um, this guy, you have started a move um, that I truly believe in, um, due to where uh, how I was raised. What if admiration uh, becomes the uh, uh, the framework of success um, i would love and it will make my life not only my day if you can host him for the good people's day in your show next year it could be next week i'll pay for his you mean but the good
2: People's day is <laughs> april 3rd next year it already passed you mean for that or just well, have him on
0: well just have him on because done. his his story is just one done
2: I mean, I mean, that was a double win. He's gonna be on, and now, since your life has been made, <laughs> you should have no pressure living the rest of it. Yeah, yes. thank you. Yeah.
0: I'm sorry sorry to take, mo- but I will, I will try to be quick. The selfless request, what somebody le- uh, like myself needs to do to stay around you or shadow you for a few days?
2: Um, Fine. Done.
0: Yes. Thank you, brother. Aubrey, can I ask you a question? (laughs) Um, uh, One more question, I'm sorry. There's like,
2: (laughs) uh, there's too many people and not enough time. Let's move. You fucking won here, dude. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your question, man.
4: Hi, Gary. This is my first time coming, but uh, I'm a high high school student. So I'm going to graduate in June. But uh, I have, I always have a plan to do. But my parents, they don't want me like to give myself a chance, and they always want me to go to college. And I try and ask them for time, like to do something. Mm-hmm. But they said, like uh, they want me, to, like they want to see the result of what I'm doing quickly, and uh, they always like forcing me to go to college and. Uh, and stuff and they said like if I really want to do my own thing they want me to go college and at the same time work on my plan okay. and at the same time also want me to help them with their business and I said I couldn't do that so what would be like advice you would give like you, sh- you should go do your own thing but like my surrounding they just like so forcing me to do what they want me to do instead of giving but, me but they're not
2: in charge they're only in charge if you're using their home and their money.
4: Okay, and plus, my mom, she was like, she said that I am disappointed because of my choice.
2: Of course, because she's using psychological pressure for you to do what she wants. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. The only thing you have to figure out is if they have any leverage. The only leverage they have is money, shelter and psychological warfare.
4: <laughs> yes, I'm living with them. Sorry. What's that? I'm living with them, so.
2: Well, if you're going to want to go do your own thing, you're going to have to move. <laughs> and you're not going to have to, you're gonna, like, here's my big thing with kids. Like, as you can tell, I'm very pro-you. But if you're going to go do this thing that's disappointing them, then you can't take from them either because then you're being spoiled. So if you feel so passionate about this thing that you want to go do, go do it but don't expect them to support it because they don't believe in it.
4: Yes, they don't believe in it.
2: So Um. go stick it in their face. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Um. Let, Let me tell you one thing about parents, and this is very common. They may be upset now, but if you go and pull this off, they will not be disappointed. And more importantly, if you go and try this, deep down one day, they'll tell you secretly that they're not disappointed. You're welcome.
1: I will do that. One more question, and then we got to go.
2: Let's do speed round. I can sneak it for a little bit.
1: Thank you all for uh, doing this. My question is, um, what advice do you have for someone who's graduating college and for going a job to start a business? To do that. <laughs>
2: but, but what do you, what, what's like, give me more specific, like, try to win. Like, you know, like, what, what do you mean specific, what's the most pressing question in that in that money. How do you get raise it? How do you
1: like cre- to provide your if I'm moving out, I'm not gonna have a job to have income, so I gotta live some way and start a live business. Live
2: shitty. Like and get a and get a side job, like work six hours a day at like seven eleven and like live the life of somebody who makes nine dollars and fifty cents an hour. The the biggest thing that your generation has contextually lost is in 1974, people did this. What they did was they worked a job and then they worked on their business at night. Like, everybody wants to build a business, but nobody wants to bleed to build a business. Like, my, my, my advice is to bleed.
1: Alright, thank you. You're
2: welcome. Okay, Gary. All
1: right, this is really the last question. Okay. Maybe one more
2: though, right? It seems like there's so many fuckers in line and Everybody the guy's got a poster. You. Everybody loves you. <laughs> go, go, go. Hey, sir, so
0: uh, thank you very much for being here. I appreciate it. A lot of the things you say, I thought about it before. I met you online. You're just confirming this stuff. I, get it. I just have a quick question for you. So from my profession, I'm trying to do marketing and I know you went from wine to marketing. And to me, uh, I, don't just, I don't wanna go to a business and say, hey, I'm gonna do your marketing, and they're gonna be like, "Who the fuck are you? You know. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know if it happened to you, so I don't, I, under, I don't understand how to make that connection.
2: Work for free. Then they'll say thank you very much. Yep. That works,
0: I appreciate it. Hey, I have a gift for you, brother.
2: Thank you, real quick on that. Thank you, bro. Yeah, no, it was a very quick, thank you. It was a very <laughs> quick exchange, I mean this. When, when you're trying to figure out how to make a transition into something new, and you don't have the audacity or maybe the insecurity to make that transition. Like, who the fuck am I? Why would they do this? Work for free. Everyone's so, like, everyone's demon, a lot of subcultures have demonized work for free. Don't work for free. It's not your worth. Well, your worth is zero when nobody wants to pay you. So, work for free. It is a very, very, very good thing.
1: And it that's works. how you get better, too. That's how you become the person that's irresistible to the person who will pay you is by becoming the master that you, you gain you the skills bat. from getting free you
2: need an app back yeah like what's that <laughs> what is she is she i saying? don't know in a in a way how so well i want to hear it because it's an interesting conversation Was, Go ahead. Gary, v, I'm, I'm so fucking bummed because I've been following you from 2009 and, and you know, uh, when I, I first saw you with Tony Robbins' uh, uh, Business Mastery. But, you know, I have no questions, man. I, all I want is just a picture with you. You got it. <laughs> Talk before they kick us out.
3: Gary, oh I gotta give you this. I I have worked my entire life and it's not about me. You make such an impact on this world. I would give up everything to support you. And I don't care if you take me along for the ride. I work in the operating room with a bunch of surgeons. Dude, like you say, the internet, we're going through an evolution right now. We're all fucking connected. And it's all about love and everything that y'all are saying. Just take a look at that, please. Thank you.
1: Thank you, you, brother. (laughs) Gary,
3: any. All right, all right, let's do it. Hey, uh, I, wanna, I wanna thank you because you inspired me to help my dad uh, market his business and I, I, you really inspired me to, to go back and, and, and get with the family and, and help them upgrade. But also, uh, I have a barbecue podcast. I have um, uh, a ton of YouTube followers. I, got, I just broke 10K on Instagram. So in the food, where, where, where should I be going? I'm going to a big event this week. and I'm gonna try to do 10 minute vlogs. What do you suggest for someone who's trying to do media around food?
2: Thank you. Uh, link, I'll leave with this. Like, we've gone very high level here tonight. Let me go very tactical. LinkedIn right this minute yeah. is acting the same exact way that Facebook in 2009, 10, and 11 was working. You could post about anything, not just business stuff, and the organic reach is ridiculous. I highly recommend that every single person tomorrow puts their first post on LinkedIn in video or written form. I think you will be astonished by what happens.